Welcome to the Lowdown Fantasy Football Podcast. We're so glad to be here with you after a uh, another fun week in the NFL. Here with me, as always, is Kyle Leaf, and I am Kevin Scott. And today we're going to do a little something different. We're going to look, instead of going through each game and considering all the details of each game, we're going to just look at the top 10 takeaways from week three and really consider what we think are the, the big uh, ticket items you should be thinking about and considering from a, an overall NFL perspective and how that plays into fantasy. So Kyle, if you want to uh, tell us, first of all, how your week three went and uh, how you're feeling about everything, and then you can start with your first takeaway from the week. It went well. There's still a lot up in the air because the biggest game of the week is saved for Monday night. And I know, I know you're excited about it. I am too. Your Chiefs versus Baltimore. I can't mm-hmm. wait for that. But let's get started. My first big takeaway of the week is the LA Chargers pass catchers with Herbert as quarterback are now actually worth targeting. If I knew that he was going to start the year, I might have drafted Keenan Allen. I might have even drafted Mike Williams. Well, I'm not going to get that far ahead of myself, <laughs> but Hunter Henry now looks good. There's now renewed hope for Eckler. It is just a totally new ball game for the Chargers. I am just shocked at how well he's playing. I thought he would be a deer in front of headlights. He looks composed. He can throw the ball, unlike some quarterbacks we'll be talking about later in the show. It is scary when Keenan Allen leads the entire NFL in the week with 19 targets. That was crazy. Yeah, I had the same kind of uh, note in in my notes from the games that the Chargers are a different team under Herbert. I mean, and I'm in the same boat with you. I avoided Chargers in all fantasy drafts for the most part because historically Tyrod Taylor, you know, when he's under center, the offenses are going at a slow pace and he's just not good for pass catchers. And I totally also agree that I thought Herbert, whenever he did come in, which seemed inevitable, but Whenever he did come in, he was going to stink and he was going to get sacked all the time and be thrown erratically. And, you know, he's not he's not a top quarterback out there, but he's pretty accurate. I mean, I, I was I've been shocked. I mean, I watched the whole game last week against the Chiefs. He looked he looked good. Uh, his, and he was thrust into the lineup last second then. So, like you said, uh, tons of targets for Keenan and Eckler. Eckler had 11 himself. Hunter Henry had seven, and Herbert passed it 49 times. So, you know, I guess my question back for you would be, how much do you think that continues? I know that uh, Anthony Lynn historically has wanted to have a, a run-heavy offense. So uh, was it just because they fell behind Carolina, or do you think that with Herbert they're going to be more pass-heavy? I think uh, a little bit of both. Consider that the sentence you said, they fell behind Carolina. <laughs> that that. That sounds like you're probably going to have some good passing game scripts for the rest of the year. But I think of everything that's happened to begin the season, this might be the most 2020 freak fluke thing of all that we avoided all these pass catchers because of Tyrod Taylor, because we felt he'd probably keep the job for at least half the year. And then Mm -hmm. by the halftime of the season, most fantasy seasons are probably 70% finished. So you're not going to take an L for 70% of the season on a Keenan Allen. But because of a fluke injection that Mm -hmm. punctured a lung. It's nuts. I mean, because a doctor messed up a shot, the entire fantasy situation for some major players changes, and it will affect the entire season for everybody. Because yeah. of a messed up injection. Yeah, now, I one mean, more thing. They say nuts. that Tyrod Taylor is going to get the job back when he comes back. That's what I was going to say. I, I BS. Heard that, yeah, I heard I, that he potentially will. But I, yeah, you're saying BS is not going to happen? Not now. And I think they had to say it for more legal reasons early on. <laughs> right. Because yeah. they can't say, like, he could, uh, if he was going to sue, if he said, like, I lost my job because of negligence, you know, it would make the case against him much easier. So just by he holding did. off on I mean, it right now and just saying the better quarterback is Herbert, you know, they have a case. They didn't have that case earlier on. They didn't know what they had with Herbert, but Herbert has looked really good. Now, it is worth noting, I mean, you or me could look like a passable quarterback against Carolina. 
Yeah, I mean, it, well, but at the same oh, time, maybe maybe that's a stretch, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, even the Chiefs, though. I mean, I, like I said, I was impressed with him last week. I think you're right about the um, the legal issues that potentially at play. I guess I would say, you know, Tyra Taylor was advised by doctors to not play indefinitely. So even if he's back, they may say, "Well, we're not comfortable playing him." That there's lots of loopholes they can get around. I I still think though, Anthony Lynn's an old school guy. There's a chance he gives it back to Tyrod. Um, I just think it's it'd be hard to do with Herbert looking so good. So absolutely, but if you're in leagues with trades, these are probably guys you could try to pick up. But you'd be buying high at this point. Yeah, you might be late to the party. But you know, a guy like Hunter Henry who didn't didn't score, um, he's a great one to target. He did, but he had those seven targets. He seems to have a good rapport with him. So that's yes. a good thought. Um, now, now Mike Williams, you know, he might be the one that's available, and he only had one target. So who knows? Maybe it, maybe it takes some time to get some chemistry going with Herbert. But anyway, moving on to our number two takeaway. My first one is Seattle has completely changed their offensive philosophy. Maybe not completely, but in a big way, they have really uh, changed themselves, altered who they are. Uh, So, so far this season, they have passed on 58% of offensive plays, rushed it on 42%. And historically in the Carroll era, they have been closer to 50-50. Um, one of the most run-heavy teams in the league. So this is a huge shift. I mean, this is in the in the vein of some of the more, more pass-heavy teams in the league, what they're doing. And, you know, you heard all this talk in the offseason about let Russ cook, and Carroll was going to let him throw it more, and I just didn't believe it. I had Metcalf very high and Lockett pretty high in my rankings, but that was just because of how, you know, efficient Russ is and how how good he is. And now we see this crazy shift in the amount of, that he's throwing it. And I, I believe that both of these guys, if this continues, will be top 10 receivers at the end of the year. You know, Russ right now, obviously the top player in fantasy. I think that will continue if he's allowed to throw this much. So that's a big takeaway for me. I mean, we may as well call him a chef. I mean, there's got to be a billion puns for letting Russ cook. But I will spare you them. But it is a different team. and. I guess my question is, is it a change because they're just getting wiser or is it more out of necessity? I don't think the offensive line is very good this year. They don't seem to be able to really run the ball. I mean, even when um, Carson's hurt, um, he's questionable for next week. They're doing tests. Uh, They think they, they might actually be okay, which is shocking if you saw the replay of the footage. But none of the running backs have been able to do anything on the ground. I mean, Carson's been effective, but it's all been through the passing game so far. I mean, he had a good yard per carry on Sunday, and he, he looks good. I, I honestly think that it's a remarkable um, situation of a, an older coach um, in Carroll being willing to make a bold change. I, I really think that, that he kind of looked at the stats, and I remember hearing from lots of analysts in the offseason that what really sets apart the Chiefs is their, how much they pass on first down, how how willing they are to pass on traditional running downs makes such a big difference because passing is more efficient than running. And, you know, I think Carroll looked at that information and he said, we got to change. We got one of the best quarterbacks and, I, you know, he loves to run the ball, but we got we to gotta get more pass heavy. I think if they wanted to run the ball and commit to it like they always have, they could be effective like they always have been. Did um, you finally get to see a replay? I did see the DK Metcalf. The idiocy. DK Metcalf play was just oh, like man. watching. There's got to be burning money gifts for that. Yeah, dude. I had DK in so many leagues. I know you do too. And it, and it, and DFS it too. Oh, it hurt. That, At least he caught one later. But Yes, that and the callback touchdown for Aaron uh, Jones cost me at least five leagues each. Yeah, yeah, it hurt. So, but What's it is a new away? day. For, uh, oh yeah, no, it is. It's it's an it's an exciting day if you have these guys. Talking about exciting and not exciting, I'm going to bring up the fluctuation at the tight end position. I guess it's one of those things. Everyone thought that they had tight ends figured out. We're two weeks in, and then the third week happens, and it just hit people like a load of bricks that tight ends actually aren't all that consistent, and that's why people pay up for them. Uh, Waller went from like uh, 16 targets the previous week to two catches for 16 yards this week. And Higby's stat line was even worse, I believe, 
Well, he had two for 40, a little better, oh, but two still. For so he must have had a garbage time catch then. Yeah, I mean, he, but uh, he only had two targets total, so it's pretty yes. weak. So if you were playing some of these tight ends, it was incredibly frustrating, as you can imagine. Uh, Sample had one catch for five yards, I believe, and it was just a mess at the position. Goddard got injured. So everyone who were taking victory laps about Ertz losing his number one status can uh, go back into the cave in the shadows and uh, get used to Ertz catching a ton of passes again. But yeah. tight ends are a mess once again. There's only two tight ends I really trust, and they are playing this Monday night. Right. Yeah, it is. It's really tough to have uh, so many guys get like one target or two targets. And you also had Gesicki get the one catch, one catch for a touchdown, for, but who yeah. cares? And then um, Hayden Hurst, the one one catch for one yard. So many guys disappointed. And Herndon I, I, didn't do anything again, I believe. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the guy like so I, I saw the. Um, uh, I think Jimmy Graham might be the uh, tight end <laughs> right. one on the week right, right now. I, right. I, saw, I saw the Waller thing coming because, you know, the Pats take away your top guy and that's, that's just what they do. So I, I, I benched him in some leagues, but most of two these for guys, 15 though. I mean, I saw that they would do everything they can to take him out of the game, but you at least I, saw five for like 55. Yeah, it could have been, but I mean, these other guys who could have seen that Atlanta would be in comeback mode the whole day, just not target their top guys. Then even, they, without Julio. Down Julio, but they, then they lost Gage, and they still didn't target Hurst. It was just the weirdest situation. So Top tight ends right now are like Jimmy Graham, and I think um, Kyle Rudolph had a crazy touchdown as well. But it was tight ends catching like one ball for five yards and a touchdown, and that's all they did for the whole week. Yeah, and, and I'll talk about uh, the waiver tight ends a little later, but it um, I think in general, tight ends are just a less uh, predictable position than than the other uh, skill skill spots. So you just got to kind of um, look at who they're playing each week and what opportunity they might have against that defense and do your best. And sometimes surprises happen. Unless you have Kelsey, he's going to go for eight catches, at least 75 yards and a touchdown tonight. Well, that's why he now. was worth a first or second round pick, depending on your league. I mean, he's he's so consistent and that's hard to find. Um, so my my next takeaway is one that uh, makes me angry, and um, it is that Matt Patricia is ruining fantasy football. He's ruining and, Detroit. And he learned from the best. Uh, Patricia has two young, dynamic backs on his team, and he is choosing to play Adrian Peterson on 60% of snaps in week three. He gave AP 22 carries. Now, he did fine. I mean, three point something. He went 22 for 75. Nothing special. But he then gave carry on three carries and Swift zero carries. Uh, it's completely baffling. And, you know, the worst part of all of that is that they won the game. So he will be convinced in his little smug brain that it was a good plan and he did the right thing. Uh, meanwhile, in New England, um, Burkhead played on 46%, Michelle on 38%, JJ Taylor on 22%. Burke had a 13 touches. Michelle had 11. Taylor had 11. And then Damian Harris will return soon. So it's just a, a reminder that you can't draft or count on backs on Belichick's or Patriots, or I'm sorry, Patricia's teams. Uh, no matter what you do, just don't do it. Wasn't Burkhead the number two running back on the day? Yeah, I mean, he scored like 30 think, something. Times. Yeah, three, three scores, but like he had six carries and, you know, Michelle had like 11. So, People just are going to go nuts on the waiver wire for him, and then he's <laughs> going to put up like four points next week. Yes, if you're listening to this, Burkhead is not even on my waiver wire list. Do not pick him up. It will change next week. I won't go that far, but I, I wouldn't put a big bid on for him. No, you're just I, asking for disappointment. I mean, honestly. Badness and regret. Yeah, you got, you got Damian Harris coming back, and it just adds one more guy. I, I just I don't want anything to do with uh, Burkhead. So. so it seems like they are also just punishing Swift for the drop on week one. He had only five routes. He only was on the field for five plays. Yeah, it's crazy. Five plays for a second round pick, I believe. Yeah, I think with, he had one reception. But 
the fact that you get no carries to AP's 22, you know, I don't understand it. Maybe yeah. he's just letting Swift like watch for a while and then he's going to work him in. I really don't know. Since that's, you know, how they do things with running backs across the league is Jonathan Taylor's touching the ball 30 times a <laughs> right. game. Right. Running back is a position where you need to know the least. All you have to do is pick up a few blocking schemes and that's it. Mm-hmm. He's good to go. He's young. You play yeah. them, they break down, you replace them. Yep, Running back 101. Mm-hmm. Watch CEH get 20 touches tonight. Hopefully. Hopefully for you. I mean, I am very overweight on, uh, on some of these running backs, as you can probably tell. Yeah. What's your next uh, takeaway here? My next one is about rookies again, but it's rookies who actually get the ball, and it's the emergence of wide receiver rookies. So as everyone knows, this was probably the greatest wide receiver class of all time. Not an exaggeration. We had six or so wide receivers go in the first round. And it looked like a bit of a bust or so after the first couple weeks. And I thought that should have been more expected by people because there was no training camp, really. It was very shortened. There were no preseason games. And I think right about now is where teams are kind of getting into that rhythm you would expect them to be for week one on a normal year. And because of this, all of a sudden, all of these super talented, freak athletic wide receivers like Higgins, Jefferson, Ayuk, they're all coming to life finally. They're starting to break out. So if you got them in the later rounds or if they somehow fell onto waiver wires, now is the time to pick them up. Higgins wasn't even going in the 20th round of drafts. He's probably available on most benches. He had two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He looked like the best wide receiver on Cincinnati besides maybe Boyd. Um, side note, A.J. Green didn't look bad. He caught every pass thrown his way. But since he looked like a bit of a train wreck, just to mention it, uh, Justin Jefferson, I mean, he looked like Diggs out there today and had like 175 yards. He was over 100 yards at half. So he had a crazy game. And Ayuk went over 100 total yards and should be good to go moving forward, even with the return of Kittle and eventually Debo. Debo, yes. Yeah, I, I had that down as a question mark. I don't know that, um, that Ayuk is going to remain their number one or even play the same number of snaps when Samuel's back it just because of the way they play their receivers is kind of weird and they mix and match guys in but yep. man he, he did look good and he he did he also produce he what he scored on was a run he got three carries so they apparently like him in that end around kind of uh, game as well you can just see how athletic they are though I mean these are first round picks that you usually don't see on this position so the talent is is just there he just jumps off the page. He made some beautiful plays. Yeah, one note on Higgins, too. Um, I was going to mention these. the Cincinnati wide receiver snaps were weird. Um, Higgins had the most snaps of the receivers at 79%. Green was second at 76 and Boyd was third at 75 But then you have three other guys who got pretty significant snaps in Auden Tate, Mike Thomas, and, and Erickson. So I don't know what they're doing, but it seems clear that Higgins, Green, and Boyd, like Higgins and Green are going to be on the outside and Boyd's in the slot on um, the majority of snaps. So that makes Higgins, like you're saying, very interesting. And Ross um, was a healthy scratch. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Ross in this, in this list. That's right. Um, that's, that's very interesting too. So, I mean, it probably means that Green is still going to hold value, even though I mean, it's like six targets this week. Um, but Higgins had nine, and like you said, scored twice. Um, they're probably pretty comparable at this point. Um, so A lot of people are going to jump on that game and just look at the final statistical numbers, but if you watch the tape, it was, it was a fascinating game, and um, uh, Green actually played pretty well. Yeah, I think he'll get his feet under him as we go along. He'll be, he'll be fine. I mean, he'll get his not, eventually. I'm not yeah. too worried about it if you have him. And even uh, uh, on the Broncos, K.J. Hamler and Judy, uh, they didn't do much statistically, but they both played over 70% of snaps and produced some catches, I mean, with a backup, two backup quarterbacks. Uh, I think they're going to be fine, too. I don't know about that. I know, because you're a negative Broncos fan. But I, I, I like, I mean, I picked up Hamler in a lot of leagues. I think he's going to be like their possession guy from the slot. I think he's got a lot of upside. And Judy is a better player. 
Um, I think once uh, once they get locked back, I think they'll both be useful. Judy's had more drops in his first three games than he had in, yeah. a, in his entire senior year at Alabama. Yeah, it's been weird. But or was it junior his, year? I'm not sure. Under him, yeah. Uh, so my next uh, takeaway from the week is that Tom Brady and Drew Brees are officially old. Um, they had put off father time for a long time. And even though they continue, even in this week, to put up pretty good stats, they're old. They cannot sling it like they used to. They cannot make opposing defenses afraid like they used to. I think more and more we're going to see defenses edging up to crowd the box, press the receivers. They're, you're not going to see very many deep safeties because they're just not hitting over-the-top passes, especially Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees, is, uh, watching that game was just painful. I don't know if you agreed, but uh, everything was short. Everything was like to the side. Nothing was down the field, like maybe one or two passes. Uh, but I don't think he threw any over 20 yards downfield. So um, Brady had, you know, also, they both had plenty of passing yards. But <laughs> uh, judging from the fact that Godwin had 64 yards, Evans had two yards, and his leading receiver was Scotty Miller, I would guess his A dot was pretty low. Um, so I just feel like they're becoming kind of captain checkdown, uh, both of them, uh, just the slow, you know, the slow pace, the under, under 15 yard passes. And it's sad to see, but you know, it's time for a new crop of guys. Hey, Mike Evans had a big game, <laughs> two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. It, they were beautiful catches. They, they really were. Um, but. <laughs> From a fantasy perspective, you just have to try to look at the benefits of that. And the benefit is, if you have Alvin Kamara, you are set. He is just going to get the ball over and over again. Michael Thomas, when he's back, which will probably be pretty soon, will benefit as well because he's a possession, middle-of-the-field receiver who has decent yards after catch. Right, and we're not talking there's that much difference from last year, right? It's just that I'm just saying from an NFL perspective, these guys are done, man. I don't see either team going deep into the playoffs. um, Neither do I. I mean, I I could see the Saints, but that's just out of sheer just good coaching, solid defense. Mm -hmm. But they're in a tough division, and uh, it really is sad to see how far they've fallen. Drew Brees' accuracy just isn't there. I mean, he he was accurate um, yesterday, but... He didn't throw the ball down the field, so you know, going 24 for 28 or something like that just doesn't have the same meaning if you're not throwing the ball you know, 15 yards down the field or stretching the field at it all. Right. And you have another quarterback as your next takeaway, right? It is, and that is the emergence of Bowles, who finally, finally, finally got the starting job. And this is just going to breathe new life into Allen Robinson. Heck, it might even resuscitate Jimmy Graham, who had two touchdowns last week and I think is the tight end one right now, which just pains me to say. But Allen Robinson looked great. Um, Even um, the wide receiver two for Chicago caught a touchdown, who I thought was was interesting because I thought Anthony Miller was uh, sort of done. I thought he was being switched out for the um, rookie and... Then he caught a touchdown and got called back. And then he caught the, a touchdown again on essentially the same route a few plays later. Bowles looks good. No, I mean, he's, he's better. He, he's not... Oh, he's, an, he's not great. He's not an awesome player, but he's better. And that, that's clear. I'm glad they made the switch for all of Capable. Those, yeah, for all those skill players, especially Allen Robinson. I was going to say, when you say Graham is the tight end one, do you mean he's actually scored the most points of all tight ends? For this week, I believe. Oh, okay, for this week. I mean, maybe he's even up there for the whole season. Um, I would, I would certainly hope that you know Kelsey's ahead of him. But Kelsey yeah, that's crazy how much he's scoring. I mean, still, you got to remember he's he's six for sixty, so he's not doing much after the catch. But um, they trust him, right? I mean, he played on sixty-seven percent of snaps. Uh, it's not like he's he's going for one hundred and fifty yards like the old Jimmy Graham, but he he needs to be owned for sure. I bet you he's on the wire in a lot of leagues out there. I mean, he's risen from the ashes of the Chicago tight ends, where there were about eight of them fighting for uh, mm-hmm. time in the rotation. But watching Foles play leads me to the question of, how does Nagy have a job? 
<laughs> it also reminds me of Anthony Lynn from the Los Angeles Chargers. Watching Herbert play makes me just wonder what on earth is going on. How, how could you start anybody ahead of him right now? It just well, baffles me. Yeah, I think in that case, you have a clear situation, and they're, they're both kind of linked, right? In, in this uh, Los Angeles case, it's that they drafted Herbert, and they want to protect that investment and not put him out there too early so he doesn't get rattled, he doesn't get in his own head and think he can't play, doesn't get hurt, et cetera. So I think that team's starting, actually good. Right. Or, you know, they're not like a, they they're not a lottery team. Right. But I mean, I think that was the thinking of starting Taylor. It wasn't that they necessarily thought he was better, but they just, they said he quote, gives us a better chance to win. It's like, okay, whatever. That's the but same the, kind of attitude that gives you 23, 23 ties. Right. Right. But in the Chicago case, I think it's a similar uh, situation in that they drafted Trubisky so stinking high ahead of Mahomes, and they now that he's in, they don't want to lose that investment. It's the same idea. <laughs> they didn't sign his extension, so it seems like they gave right. up on him anyway. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was weird that they did that, and then they started him, but I think they're kind of, they probably had the front office telling the coach, like, do whatever you can to start Trubisky, and you know, hey, Foles gets hurt a lot. We may be seeing Trubisky again, but I'm glad uh, Foles got the job. Um, I think it, it definitely helps Robinson. Robinson only played on 78% of snaps, and he caught 10 for 123 and a touchdown on 13 targets. And like you said, Anthony Miller, his snap count was up. It was probably because they were in comeback mode. Um, and I said that wrong earlier. The Bears were in comeback mode on the, the Falcons the whole time, but then it turned into a weird shootout at the end. Uh, but Miller did have five targets, uh, and then... Darnell Mooney is who you were referencing the the rookie. Totally did, blanked on his name. I just I just hear Moody and like <laughs> yeah, he he played me. more. He actually played more snaps than Miller, sixty two percent, but he only caught two. So yeah, I think Foles probably is going to prefer uh, Miller as far as who he targets, but we will see. So the next uh, the next one on my list is that in in contrast to Brady and Breeze being officially old, Aaron Rodgers is not yet old and. I had a lot of fun watching last night. I found myself, I was on a bit of delay. I found myself fast forwarding through some of Breeze under center and trying to get back to Rodgers because he was fun to watch. It's a pleasure seeing the offense that Rodgers is in, kind of letting him uh, be himself and uh, do what he does best. It looked like he uh, could get to the outside on some bootlegs. He showed off his silly arm talent, which is still there. Uh, and even though we made fun of the Packers for not drafting more receivers or any receivers um, and drafting another running back, I think that was a stupid decision uh, to take A.J. Dillon. Still, he's, he seems to have enough talent uh, to make it work. I mean, Aaron Jones is scary to, to defenses, so they have to respect the run. And then Lazard looked strong, fast, you know, big. He looked very impressive. Um, and then you've obviously got Devontae. So, uh, even Devontae the tight wasn't even playing, and right. he still did it. Right. I mean, even then the tight ends got worked in. So you had, you know, both both of them as Sternberger caught three and Robert Tanyan caught five and, and got a touchdown. So if you get those guys working in with the, you know, the two main receivers uh, and Aaron Jones, they got plenty of talent. And so I, I really think in contrast also, I think the, the Packers could go deep. They could make it to the Super Bowl even because they're just clicking right now. They looked really good. This is mm -hmm. the best Rodgers has looked in a few years. I mean, did he really need the motivation of drafting Jordan Love to play well? I, I don't know. They could have taken T. Higgins. Yeah. They could have got Chenault in the second round. They could have got all these athletic freaks. It was Lazard has played well. He obviously was the one that was going to do well this week with Devontae Adams out, and uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling was the one facing the tougher coverage this week, so he was never going to get open. But Rodgers is moving well. He looks spry. Yeah, he does. And he is definitely one of the pleasant surprises that I have absolutely none of <laughs> this year. Yeah, I, I don't have any either. Um, but yeah, he looks like the old Rodgers a little bit. So it's just exciting to see um, the team. You know, I, I felt like when I watched them under Mike McCarthy that it was like this, this like drudgery for Rodgers to even play. Like he hated the offense and, you know, he, he didn't even want to be out there. And it's fun to see him having fun again. So you know, if he's good, he makes the league more exciting. So that was a, a big takeaway for me. He has to be one of the most moody players 
in the entire NFL. <laughs> yeah, I you agree. Know, they always talk about how he feels and how he's doing emotionally. And does he like his receivers? Does he trust them? I, I, I've never seen another quarterback that has so much feelings that have That's to be true. addressed on all the talk shows. So going to the next one on my list will be just knowing what's going on better. After three weeks, you have a sense of who the good teams are and the bad teams are. Now, that is only so useful with all the teams being drafted, but where the true value comes in now is we know what offenses are crap. And we will be streaming defenses. The top players stream defenses. If you just picked one defense or playing them the entire year, you're not playing fantasy football very well. Unless like you got San Francisco or something like that at the beginning of the year and we're kind of just hoping that Bosa and Solomon and all those other guys wouldn't tear they, their ACLs in the same week on the same crappy turf where they shouldn't be playing to begin with. Conversation for another day. We now know that you can stream against Denver, who are on backup quarterbacks. You can stream against the New York Jets. You can stream against Cincinnati, who's really struggling to protect their rookie investment. And it is just a bit of a mess there. Even though it's fun watching the team, they are getting sacked all over the place. You can stream against Detroit. You can stream definitely against Carolina. If Tom Brady keeps on having a noodle arm, you probably can even stream against Tampa Bay. And you most certainly can stream against the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. So find a team that's playing one of them. I agree. Bid for $1 to $10. Make a, make a list of three or four teams that you want. Bid 10, bid 8, bid 6, bid 4, bid 2. And you'll eventually get one of them. And then you can have a starting uh, defense that'll probably put up more points against the Dolphins and whatever team you have going that might get stuck playing against the Chiefs or someone like that. Yep. And this week I had a couple teams with the Ravens defense that I, uh, I left the Ravens on my team, but I picked oh boy. up like the Colts and um, you know, just, to, just to keep the Ravens around because they're such a great defense when they're playing teams like the Bengals. But if I had to, I dropped them. I mean, I, I've been streaming defenses for, you know, I don't know, 10 years because it's, it's statistically the best thing to do. Just find the teams playing, like, like Kyle's saying, playing the crappy teams. and The Jets. Like, yeah, and this week, I mean, I put some huge bids on the Colts for my defensive bidding just because I knew the Colts, were, <laughs> all their guys are hurt and they already stink. So 30 man, points. Turned out to be a great call there, yeah. It was crazy. That was a New England Patriots score from the previous year. Mm-hmm. And then some. Just... I'm going to bid more than I probably should to play against the Jets these upcoming weeks. Well, and you know who plays the Jets this week? Who? The Broncos. Okay, maybe I won't. <laughs> no, I will. I'll be bidding on the Broncos big. Oh, man. Not, not big, but like, who's, you know, Who's percent. left? I mean. A few, per, a few percentage points. I, I'm like know. a Broncos homer who knows, like, their whole roster. And I was seeing guys on the field who was like, wait, wait. I think I read like a little tidbit somewhere that they signed that guy to the practice squad maybe a few months ago. Why is he on the field? Yeah, everybody's hurt. Yes. and But you know what? Like you said, I mean, you could put a college team out there against the Jets and they might be, have a good, good you know, fantasy week. So play everybody against the Jets. Uh, my, my last uh, is a similar kind of big picture deal uh, about the waiver wire, and that is that Often the waiver wire hysteria, the big names people are going after and talking about after the week, those are completely wrong. Not all the time, but often. And it's really important to step back from those situations and assess the bigger picture of them, like what's likely to happen on that team. Um, what, what's you know, how likely is this uh, kind of target share going to continue? Um, and just not overreact to one week. So you know, for example, Devonta Freeman, um, you know, him coming back from a long time off he wasn't worth like five percent of your fab no less 30 percent and you know he was getting these humongous bids where, where he was available just because, 40 50 percent average yeah i mean in the bigger picture he's on a bad team with a bad line and he's old 
he just wasn't worth it. But it's hard to see that in the moment. Even Mike Davis, he had a good week, but he wasn't worth 75% of your budget uh, because he's not McCaffrey in the end. And McCaffrey will come back. Um, so, you know, it, it's a hard balance between trying to get, um, you know, production in the moment, trying not to lose these weeks when everybody's hurt. I get that. And sometimes you got to overspend, but you just got to be careful. Uh, even the tight ends on the wire, those were some of the biggest ones last week. And I think Schultz and Sample and Ali Cox, you know, some of these guys will be good for the rest of the year, depending on the matchup. But, you know, it's, you just got to be cautious about who you spend on uh, and remember the big picture of the team and, and their, you know, likely targets. I would say that if you did get the running back for Carolina, Mike Davis, it probably was a good bid if you got him for under 700. If you lost McCaffrey or Barkley or someone like that and you were 0-2 and it was like do or die. But if you're 2-0 in the league and doing well, not worth it. Yeah, and it's, that's just a style thing. Everybody has different strategy and how they approach it. I mean, for me, uh, if he was, if McCaffrey was done for the year, I would feel differently about it. But because he's not, I don't think it's worth it either way. Just be cautious about who you spend on and don't overreact. Uh, overreact to the box scores. Uh, one of the best things you can do is to check out um, actual snap counts, actual target share, more than what they, you know, their their stats they put up, because that tells you how how the team wants to use them. You can find that all over. Uh, I know I write an article for FF Today every, every week with usage and, uh, and target and, and snap count data. You should check that out. Uh, but you can get other places as well. It's just important to see how, how often are these guys actually playing, and that gives you a lot of insight into uh, what, they're, what they're likely to do in future weeks. So just to transition here, uh, for, before we head out for the day, we wanted to spend a few minutes talking about waiver ads for this week and what we would do, how we would, we would approach it and guys that we're interested in. Uh, we're going to walk through each of the positions here just briefly and tell you the guys, uh, I'm going to have a list of, you know, in order, the guys that I want to bid on. And, um, you know, hopefully that'll be helpful for you. Some we've already mentioned, but why don't we start at quarterback? Kyle, who, who of quarterbacks are you interested in adding this week? The two quarterbacks I would be looking at would probably be Foles and Herbert. Now, normally on a normal week, I don't really go for quarterbacks very often. I don't stream them as much as other people do. I think it's tricky, and I think quarterback scores are relatively solid week to week, and I don't think defenses have that much influence on it. But these two quarterbacks have a lot of upside, depending, especially Herbert, since it looks like he can run the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he could, be a, he could be a real difference maker for the rest of the year. Yeah, likely... Um... He, you know, he may not be on your wire if it's a really deep league, but I think he's, or dynasty leagues, he's almost always owned. But yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to continue running a lot, but he showed he's got some speed for a big man. Um, probably just because he's got such a long stride. He's 6'6", I think. So yeah, I would consider picking Herbert up if, like I have a couple leagues where my only quarterback is like a Wentz who's looked terrible. Um, I'd consider Herbert. Um, how about at running back? Who, who's uh, Who's popping on your radar? Well, for that, it just depends on the injury news. It might sound a bit ugly, but like a Carlos Hyde or Homer, Travis Homer, mm-hmm. if I said that right, would be another one. If the injury to Chris Carson is serious, I would also kind of look and see what the Bears are going to do um, because there is a torn ACL for Tariq Cohen. Oh, really? I didn't hear that. Yep, that was official. That should so help we'll Montgomery. To, we'll have to see there. Montgomery was just terrible. Yeah, he's been, he was bad this week, but he's okay. He's yeah. average. Maybe if you were playing on the ESPN leagues, he might be available, but... Where no, he, he won't be available. I'm just saying it'll help him. Oh, on the ESPN leagues, everyone's available. The <laughs> guy I had down was... You know, he's, he's usually going to be owned, but Miles Gaskin, if, if you're in shallower leagues, he's still out there. He was clearly... The Dolphin starter. I mean, it was, it wasn't even like a close, um, you know, one two punch. It was pretty much all Gaskin. He had 75% of snaps and got 27 touches. So even though he didn't do much with them uh, because the Dolphins stink, I would definitely pick him up if he's available. I also had Brian Hill um, because Gurley is always one thing away, one, you know, hit away or tweak away from being done for a while. And 
Hill, Hill's been effective so far this year. When he's gotten the ball, he had a long touchdown in, in this week's game. He's probably so, their best back, if we're being honest. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for name, uh, he might be starting. But he still played 34% of snaps, went 9 for 58 and 1, and also had a 22-yard reception. So I would pick him up just because if you're desperate, you could play him, or if Gurley goes down, he's going to be effective. And if you um, have a spot for like a long-time stash, Rashad Penny is ahead of schedule, and he might be back in three or so weeks. So that's, that's something good. to you know see what happens with Chris Carson, and I wouldn't do it this week, but if there's not a lot of news, maybe next week or the week after, you probably can still get him cheap because once he has like that one week, I'll be back next week, sort of story starts hitting, hitting Twitter and all those places, his price will, will skyrocket. So if you're not using a spot on your bench, there are worse people to hold. Yeah. And um, even if Carson, like you said, if Carson's all the way back, they still will have a role for, for Penny. Uh, at least last year they did. Um, just a couple other quick guys I had at running back. Darrington Evans got his first action of the year, got three carries. I think it didn't do much, but I think if he works his way into the third down role or, or more hurry-up offense role, he will have value. He will catch some passes. And then Anthony McFarland got his first uh, decent action for the Steelers. Um, I think he, well, he looked way more dynamic than Benny Snell, uh, way faster and made some big plays. So if they work him in or... You know, also James Conner is an injury risk. He's a guy that if you're desperate, I would consider putting a small bit on. Did you have anyone else at back or do you want to move on to receiver? Moving on to receiver. All right. Who's on your list there? Well, there is news hitting that Michael Pittman is now hurt as well. So, I mean, I don't know who's healthy right now for the Colts. It seems like their entire roster is hurt at the wide receiver position. Paris Campbell's down. Pittman is now down with a calf injury that will need surgery for leg um, compartment leg syndrome. Wow. So with him now down, I would be looking at Zach Pascal. He's had good games in the past. He's consistent. He can play in the slot. And I just think he's sort of an underrated wide receiver that could end up being really good value on a team that does pass the ball quite a bit. Yeah, that's good information on Pascal. I had not heard that about Pittman. Um, I, obviously, it helps Hilton as well. And then some of the guys we mentioned, I have my on my list. Justin Jefferson, if he's available anywhere, is going to be the top receiver ad of the week. T. Higgins is going to be a good ad. One guy we didn't mention yet, Andy Isabella. Uh, he came in and made Christian Kirk look like he has uh, been just a terrible player whenever he's been in the game. He looked great and uh, clicked with Kyler Murray right away. I could see him holding on to the job, quite honestly. And the other thing that might happen is they work Isabella and Kirk in and let Fitzgerald sit a little bit. But either way, I don't, I don't think they're going to push Isabella back to just a bench warmer when he had that kind of a week. So he's a guy I would pick up. I also All those had, are good ads, yeah. Yeah, also had Greg Ward down. Greg Ward kind of <laughs> rose from the dead, even though the, the Eagles are terrible, it, you know, in part because they're all hurt. Ward got his uh, chance again. Deshaun Jackson hurt his hamstring, and uh, Jeffrey's still out. Rager is out probably for a couple more weeks. So if you need a receiver, Ward's worth a look. He, he played on 84% of snaps and went 8 for 72 and a touchdown. So you know, just because they need someone to throw it to, um, he's worth a potential add. And then we also mentioned Anthony Miller um, could get more action uh, with Foles for sure. Did you have any other receivers on your list? Well, you mentioned one of them for the Eagles. Um, Jeffrey will be back probably in a Mm. week or two. So if you can preemptively add him, he could have a lot of value, you know, barring health and barring how quickly they work him back in. But in general, try to see if any of the rookies that we talked about earlier are available. They would be the best ads. And I mean that by a mile. T. Higgins could be available. I think Justin Jefferson is available in maybe 10% of leagues at, on uh, FFPC, probably much higher elsewhere. So these guys with talent and upside who just haven't really shown it yet are the guys that you want to add right now. Yeah, and uh, one other guy I saw dropped in a few of my leagues last week was Hunter Renfro. 
Uh, he played on 66% and uh, led the Raiders with nine targets, also scored. Um, he's a guy that he's going to have these hot weeks and terrible weeks, so he's really hard to play, but he should probably be owned, especially since um, Ruggs is hurt at the moment. Um, but a very small bid. And then Josh Reynolds, um, he keeps popping on my radar for his snap count. Uh, Josh Reynolds had an, played over 90% of snaps. Um, for the Rams and so did cup and wood. So all three played 90%. They must've run a ton of 11 personnel. Um, Reynolds had five targets, which isn't a ton, but it's, you know, he's getting work. And sometimes at receiver, you just need a guy who's going to be in the game. Uh, so he's a guy I would put a small bit on. And then I've, I've mentioned this guy before last guy on my list, Gabriel Davis in that same game, uh, John Brown put up a donut and played on only 47% of snaps, but Gabriel Davis, uh, played 74% of snaps and went four for 81. He, he's basically, he's like, I think he's 6'2", but he's by far like their biggest, strongest receiver, um, most athletic, um, maybe not more athletic than Diggs, but he's like, he's more of a physical specimen. And he, they just seem to want to get him involved. From the first week, he's had at least like 30% of snaps, uh, even with those three receivers they like ahead of him. So He's a guy I would add just because uh, I think they're going to just keep finding a way to get him involved. That John Brown zero was very painful in some places. Yeah, definitely but for me too. McVay switching up to more of an 11 from a 12 formation, that really explains a lot with Higby. It seems like Higby hasn't been on the field as much or running as many routes. And if they're going three wide with one tight end, they're going to be using Everett more or they're going to be using him to block. Yeah, and Higby had 72% um, of snaps, and Everett was down at 34, but um, they both caught two. So, it's, Yeah, well, we know where all the usage went. Yeah, you're, like, like you're saying, like it, they, they had to block, be blocking more. That's the only thing I can figure. One of the strongest correlations of any players is Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. And when I say correlation, I mean a negative correlation. If one does well, the other one is usually garbage. So if you look at us, open up a newspaper, if those exist anymore, look at the stats and you see Cooper Cup had a big day. You don't even have to look the rest of the way down. You can almost have, a, have it known as a fact that Higby did not do well. So that's a little bit scary that Cooper Cup's now being used again because that makes me worry about the usage for Higby moving forward. Yep. Yeah, so moving on to tight end, uh, there's a few guys I would consider picking up. Um, it's funny because last week we mentioned Greg Olson seemed to be dead. Uh, this week he came back with six targets and five catches. Uh, part of it was this was a shootout, but you know the, it was Seattle setting the tone of the shootout. It was Dallas trying to come back. So it seems like they do want to involve Olson, and he by far played the most snaps among tight ends. Again, in the tight end premium league, if you need help, Olsen is going to be available in a lot of them because he put up the zero last week. You already mentioned Jimmy Graham. Uh, Eric Ebron, I'm sure, is not available in most leagues, but he had his first really nice game of the year, uh, had, had a touchdown, and was their best receiving option out there after Deontay Johnson went down. I continue to say that Juju looks slow. He doesn't look dynamic. He had a touchdown on a broken coverage. Otherwise, did pretty much nothing. Three catches for like 10 yards. So, um, you know, Deontay, I don't know if he'll be back next week after the concussion. But I certainly not, hope so. That was, yeah, that was so it. painful. Yeah, but Ebron, you know, he had seven targets. He should be a good play if he's available. Any other tight ends that pop on for you? Um, not this week. I wasted most of my fab getting uh, failures at the position the previous week. <laughs> so yeah. count me out this time around. Well, I did mention Tanyan already. If you're desperate, he's good. And Sternberger, both those guys. And you, we Sternberger talked last week. might be worth a look. Yeah, I mean, ta- both of them are playing. Tanya's actually playing more snaps, but um, it's hard to know. They're, they're worth a speculative ad, probably. Uh, I also mentioned Harrison Bryant last week, the rookie from the Browns. They don't throw it much, but he again played even more snaps this, this week. So another guy they want to get involved. And, um, and then Gronk. I was, I was laughing about Gronk because we were talking about he's done and then he like, I think he led them in receiving or something this week. Did he really? So, yeah, he had seven targets and six catches. So who knows? With I thought Gronkowski. he said that he was just signed to be a blocker. <laughs> he did right before the game. Yes. So, Sar- sarcasm, of course. Who knows? 
And did you want, I don't know if you had anything written down, but I was going to throw out defenses real quick. You you talked about streaming defenses. Any, any that you have seen that popped on your radar or have you not looked at that yet? Um, Anyone from the Thursday game, both sides. Well, yeah, the Broncos and Jets. Um, Also either the Jaguars or Bengals, they play each other. They're both terrible. If you can grab anybody um maybe the buccaneers against the chargers i think the bucks are an underrated defense to begin with and i think herbert is still likely to make many mistakes i agree seahawks i had down playing the dolphins for sure yeah there are some ugly games coming up texans Mm -hmm. vikings ravens against washington geez right i had ravens i mean there's a chance ravens might be out there because they're playing the chiefs someone might have dropped them like i said but uh it's unlikely and I would say the Rams are just going to stomp the Giants. I agree. I mean, they're actually opening at a, as an 11-point favorite. Wow. Yeah, that's with a great a, one because they're at home. The Giants are traveling all the way across the country. Yes, with a 47.5 total. So that is a massive, massive to- um, like line. I yeah, can't, I agree. That's like may- uh, the sort of lines you were seeing like the Patriots 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They may be my top defense. Uh, I hadn't even seen that. That's a great call. Um, the, the Giants just look hapless. Yeah, so there are many mismatches this week. Uh, I, I thought this week most of the games looked like they were going to be competitive on paper. There were a few shootouts, obviously, that you looked at the game and you knew what was going to happen. This week it just looks like you're going to be uh, seeing a lot of blowouts just looking at the lines. A lot of 3-0 teams against 0-3 teams. Mm-hmm. And it is... And just some ugly games. Yeah. Well, that hopefully helps you uh, get a hold on some waiver uh, ideas. And uh, hopefully the, the look back at the big picture items was helpful for you as well. We appreciate you listening and uh, sticking with us as we continue to work on this podcast, making it what it needs to be. If you have ideas or things you'd like to hear us talk about, we invite you to reach out to us. You can, you can reach me on Twitter at Kevin Scott FF or Kyle at Kyle Leith. You can also follow the podcast at the Lowdown FF Pod. Uh, we ask you again, the one big favor would be to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would help us a ton. Uh, you can also see uh, our podcast over on Anchor, and you can even support the podcast there if you just want to say thanks for the work we're putting in. Obviously, we don't expect that, but that would be cool if you want to. Uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week. And for Kyle and our producer, Mark Bobro, I am Kevin Scott. Have a great day.